Today's episode is brought to you by the Vegas Beer Guys and the Sounds and Cinema Podcast. The Everything Sequel Podcast contains explicit language. You have been forewarned. Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is a Star Wars prequel edition. Today, we're on to Attack of the Clones. My name is Michael Schantz of the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, the clone master himself, Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Give him a line, Tom. This party is over. <laughs> of course. <laughs> It took it took two whole movies, but we finally gave Sam Jackson something cool to do. <laughs> I've is it like in my memory, this is supposed to be a very cool, well-known line, but I'm not sure it comes off like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just like your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at, le- at least at least he's standing up in this movie. That's true. And that helps. That's a, that's a step up from what he's been doing. It's a step up. And then he does something something uh, cool at the end of it. All right. It, I, I think it also reflects where we've come with casting, because I think famously Sam Jackson campaigned for to be in episode one. Mm-hmm. He went on the talk show circuit, and every time he did an appearance, he mentioned that he wanted to be involved. Um, and he said, you know, set the bar as low as you want. I could be Lando Calrissian's grandfather, whatever you need. Because <laughs> um, <clears throat> Mace Windu, goes all, as a character, goes all the way back to uh, the original outline for Star Wars. Okay. So... They obviously didn't have Sam Jackson in mind as Mace Windu, but going into this movie, when Lucas is writing it, he knows it's going to be Sam Jackson playing it. Sure. So I think they're writing to that for the first time. Yeah, yeah, I think you're probably right about that, yeah. And that's why he's doing things like standing up and walking and... Uh, <laughs> Running with lightsabers. That... Yeah, and saying, saying lines longer than no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's nice to get a chance to do a, something other than look pensively at a uh, CGI Yoda. Well, it wasn't. It was a puppet Yoda at the time that he was looking at. Not for this movie. Oh, in this movie, yeah, yeah, in this movie. I mean, I'm sure they of... had something on a stick for him to look at, but I, I wouldn't be. So Don't be sure. so sure. <laughs> because how would you get anything at the right height? Because he's floating around for a lot of this, so... Yeah, right. I think just... Was it like a drone, maybe? <laughs> Look that at would, the drone. That would be so Lucas, just this loud thing with four propellers. Uh-uh. And all the it's actors okay, we'll just... Fix it in, to... We'll fix it in post. <laughs> all it's the not an issue of post, to... George. I can't hear what he's saying. Yeah, they all have to endure <laughs> the loud noise of... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great. It's as as if there aren't enough flying creatures in this film already. Uh, well, no, mystery box, well, yeah. I know. I'm, I'm going we'll to save it. Yeah. I'm going to save it. 
Yeah. I finally have a a, a, a credit check uh, note that I am very excited to oh, excellent. to relay to you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking Attack of the Clones, a 2002 sequel. Once again, directed by George Lucas. So yep. if you were listening to the last episode, you know what he's done. Uh, not a lot as a director, but, but he is, of course, a name that... Mm-hmm. He is the name of Star Wars. Right, yes. He is the he is the author of Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, this movie, I, I think I mentioned this in our ranking episode, each, each of these movies ticks up. Critics mm. like it more as it goes along. Yeah. Doesn't bode well for my argument for the first movie, but 65% on Rotten Tomatoes, one Academy Award nomination, visual effects. And we talked about the budget uh, before. He he was so consistent. He he kept it right at like 115 million dollars for this movie as well. Opening weekend of 80 million in the USA 310.6 and in the world 653.7. And then that means that this is the this is the least yeah. popular prequel movie monetarily which doesn't bode well for your argument but i guess i guess i'm, not, I'm on your side yeah it's um it's certainly better than its reputation would have you believe yeah i think so too it's fun i got, fu- it's I got a problems fun, it's a fun ad- yeah i've got a lot of problems too it's yeah. but it's a fun adventure movie and i think i think this was a uh, this was an olive branch to the fandom. You think so? And it w- and it was not taken as such. <laughs> it was rebuked. Yes. <laughs> it was taken as if he shoved a turd in their face. Yeah, I take your olive branch and I set it on fire, sir. That's what the fandom said. Yeah. Right. But it, interesting as well that they moved everything to Australia, seemingly. I don't know if that was how they kept the budget down, but... Everything mm-hmm. from this point onwards is Australia, I believe. All right. And lo- lots of local Australian voice actors. Because whenever you're trying to find other work that the actors have done, <laughs> it's, it's always like, it's just... They're, it's all, like from, they're speci- all from the rescuers anti- down under? <laughs> well, it's all specifically Antipodean. You're like, oh, okay, I guess right. they hired okay. local talent. <laughs> Good for them. Well, let's get to it, friend. Sure. The scroll. <laughs> Can I say one thing? Do you have anything to thing say to... before the scroll? <laughs> <laughs> That's how forensic we're getting. Okay, it was just, it's like, and this is ridiculous because this is my first note is what's on Disney Plus when when the movie begins. You know they have the little the warnings in the corner. Yes, I noticed that the tobacco and for this. That's just exactly yes. Yeah. Contains tobacco depictions, and the only thing I can think of is the death sticks. Oh wow! Because so, and again, this is not clear in the film, but Lucas meant death sticks to be this the galaxy's uh, equivalent of cigarettes, mm-hmm. because he was you know he he's kind of anti-smoking. And also wanted to make these movies more positive, send positive messages to children. Right. So he came up with this idea of death. It's not clear that that's what they are in the movie. Yeah. But 
I remember seeing it at the beginning and and wondering where the hell it was and then looking for it. I think it's the death sticks. Okay. Yeah. I do remember smoking them. I do remember Jabba in Jedi. Doesn't he have a a long pipish thing that he's smoking? Yeah, no, there's there's smoking in movies other than this, but the only thing it it, whatever the the anti smoking allegory clearly convinced someone at Disney Plus mm-hmm. because they enough for them to put contains tobacco depictions at the top of it. <laughs> but I always assumed Death Sticks was like, you know, dr- drugs of some kind. Right. Which it is, but yeah, Lucas right. is la- Lucas is laboring the point to make an anti-smoking allegory. Strange. So I don't think, and I think this is a very low, this is this is a low bar to set and a dangerous precedent because the sci-fi parallels to cigarettes don't count as tobacco. <laughs> right? Somebody's always imbibing something in a science fiction film. Right. <laughs> it doesn't mean that they're promoting tobacco use. I watched something the other day and people were smoking and it was weird to see people smoking on film. Was it Ghostbusters? Oh, no, it was Oppenheimer. That's what it was, yeah. Because he's smoking throughout the whole thing. Yeah. I recently showed my son Ghostbusters. Yeah. And, you know, I... I I mean, to to the point where they have to glue a cigarette to Dan Aykroyd's mouth. Right. It's like, can he not just just not be smoking for one frame of the film? It's dirty New York. <clears throat> By the time you get to Ghostbusters 2, no smoking. No. Nope. Not a cigarette in sight. All right. Uh, let's talk scroll. Scroll me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand so anything the... that's happening. I mean, <laughs> I I do, but I don't understand why we should care about it. What's it mean? This is my What's n- it mean for that thousands of? That was my note of... for the Phantom Menace scroll. What's the... that? Was the? <laughs> <laughs> What's it mean that thousands of solar systems are going to leave the Senate? Yeah. So the first paragraph. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, short, shorter than last time. Uh huh. More understandable. But the first sentence, of course, lets you know that we are not going to leave the Senate. No. George well, Lucas is, is still... sticking with that storyline, sir. That's my other note. No, still no war in Star Wars. <laughs> the best they can come up with is unrest. Yeah. That's as far as we're going <laughs> in the war department. <laughs> unrest. <sighs> it's not it's not a, you know, it's not a taxation crisis. No. Nope. Like last time. We've got unrest, but we're not going further than unrest <laughs> until the movie's over. Right. Um, and then I really like the second paragraph. Um, the mysterious Count Dooku mm-hmm. has got a kind of old-fashioned excitement about it. And then as soon as you see that, it goes straight into the resource management of the Jedis. And I'm like, oh, my God, again? <laughs> Don't worry, though. They'll belabor the point later on when Base Windu says, hey, we can't fucking watch everything. We're not soldiers. Uh, yeah. And then paragraph three contains a clause about Queen Amidala that is only there for the audience. Yeah. And it reminds me Because we have um, to know that she's a senator now. Right. 
And it has nothing to do with the rest of the scroll. And it reminds me of uh, an episode, a uh, very famous episode of, um, and this 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 could be uh, sacrilege, uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation, which uh, the the famous episode Sarek, which guest starred Mark Leonard oh, as yeah. Sarek, and it begins with a captain's log um, that just offhandedly remarks that he is remarried to another human. <laughs> and I'm like, who's that for? Why is that in a captain's log? <laughs> that's real. That's only for our benefit. <laughs> and it's the same here. Like it doesn't. It comes out of nowhere. You imagine some guy at Starfleet reading it and going, "Why the fuck did he put this in here?" <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Yeah. When you read the Star Trek, Star Trek. Here we go. Sorry. When you read the Star Wars scrolls. Yes. The opening. The opening crawls. I know what the scrolls are. God damn it. <laughs> the. Do you think that, do you sometimes just read the bold letters? <laughs> <laughs> because those are definitely the fun bits. Sure. If you if you want to just cut to the chase, the bold letters if will you tell you pretty much everything you need to know. you want to get it in a few words. <laughs> Especially for these three films, because with the, with the scrolls on these films... I think yeah. we kind of talked about it in Phantom Menace, where you read the first sentence and you go, uh, <laughs> like, yeah. you can't be bothered to keep reading. And so I made myself pay attention. Yeah. But I, I, I feel the same way with this one. I, you know, you, you have to it, really it lock descend. in and try and yeah, not uh, roll your eyes and say, I don't care. And, and, you know, we'll talk about Revenge of the Sith, but that, that sort of... <laughs> That has a, that a, the opening sentence is is kind of as condensed as it gets. Sure, but again, you know, it all descent. Again, we're just talking about political process, not. Yeah. There's no war. There's no war in sight. No, they're they're in the Star Wars galaxy. <laughs> the scroll is threatening to bring war to the audience eventually, and just never will. No. And and then we have a classic. You know, you're you're gonna either pan up or pan down, and in this movie, they pan yeah. up. Well, yeah, they go up to the planet instead of down, mm -hmm. and then the the then the ship and the camera flips, flips before turning on on its axis. So it's a double inversion of the Star Wars. Opening. Whenever I watch this movie, I always, you know, I you know, I, I watch a lot of Star Wars. I get why an X wing or any one of these ships might be flipping around during battle. Yeah. Every time I watch the beginning of this movie, all I think is, "Why are they doing that? Yeah. Why is that? I think it is. Why is that ship going yeah. upside down? They don't need to do that. They've done so many inversions of the same thing that they have to do it all mm -hmm. for it still to be an to inversion to count. Yeah, they have to just do a three sixty <laughs> for it all to be some different from what they've done before. And then I think you noted uh, you noted in our last episode, I believe, because you were talking about Coruscant. What were you talking about? That there's nighttime there? That it's not just a day planet or something? Right. We've got another weather variable. But here, yeah, my, cloud, yeah, cloud exactly. Coruscant. Now, now, now I notice that we have weather on the planet as well, and and fog is included. Fog and clouds. And again, if you if you we've talked a little bit about the the ring theory idea. That, yeah. These, the, this and the original trilogy are in a continuous loop, mm -hmm. and so this is this is the other this is the other side of the radius of I guess the circumference of <laughs> of the ring For... to rule them all. 
<laughs> from Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. So you're straight in and you've got a Cloud City, which is very clearly visually a visual harmony. It, it for... does feel Bespin, doesn't it? I mean, explicitly, and it makes sense because this is the, the second movie in the second trilogy. Mm -hmm. And it's trying to kind of connect with the second movie of the first trilogy right. visually. Which is how these movies connect with the original trilogy. As we said, more than storytelling or characterization, mm -hmm. you're, you're more likely to get visual parallels or stylistic parallels than you are... Uh, <laughs> like, that you are a coherent timeline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these aren't the movies for coherent timelines. But again, it's like... We've done night, we've done day, now you got... Clubs. What else can we do? Yeah. But that, you know, we kind of talked about that in the last episode, too. This compulsion of always showing us a new terrain. You know, mm -hmm, we mm -hmm. go to desert, we go to ice, we go, you know, we've got to show some underwater now. We got to do the, you know, we got to go <laughs> to forests. We got to, you know. Yeah. George Lucas is always thinking compulsion. about what else can I show the audience that they haven't seen before. And, but, a lot, and, and yet, remarkably, know, all these movies keep, keep going back to fucking Tatooine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Tatooine is the constant of the Star Wars. That's funny. You know. Con contrary to what Luke said in, in Return of the Jedi about... Oh, no, it wasn't Return of the Jedi. In, the, in, the, in OG Star Wars about how irrelevant a planet it yeah, was. Yeah, right. Exactly. Turns out it's the most relevant the planet. The most important galaxy. planet in the galaxy. Now, let me ask you this. Do you believe, yeah. as I do, that George Lucas, by showing us this uh, attempted assassination with an explosion, yeah. thinks that mm -hmm. that explosion is exciting enough to hold us until about an hour and 50 minutes into the movie? Why, well, I... I... <laughs> I don't agree with your assumption that that's the only bit of action we get. We've got a pretty exciting We've got some good stuff. car chase coming up. Well, we'll talk about that, but... I, I don't think this film is lacking excitement. I know that's been a common criticism of it, but I, I, I've never felt that. I feel like, I feel like it, it does have these... It, it is punctuated by action quite frequently, perhaps to its detriment at times. Uh, I, like the, I like the one against Django Fett. I'll wait. Yeah. I'll I'll wait until we get to okay the chase that you're what referring do you think? to. So, so the, we we see. Uh, but also so let the, let's not yeah, forget the, that we finally have a payoff for having a double. Yeah. Well, this is so I, I've referred to this in previous episodes that this film. One of the reasons I'm attracted to this film is it is an intoxicating mixture of do over and double down. <laughs> And this is the sort of first example of that, where it, 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 the movie begins almost identically to Phantom Menace. <laughs> because that, there's a, you know, the, the ship is destroyed mm -hmm. in Phantom Menace at about the same time right. in the, into the movie. And of course, the main plot device of Phantom Menace is this, this Queen Amidala doubling. And this is the first thing we see. It's a, it's, it's a, Exactly. So it's it's like it's doubling, you know, it's sort of doubling down, but also admitting that we didn't do everything we could with it at the same time. 
And like you say, this is the sort of payoff moment, but it's it's refusing to let go of something that didn't work. Right. And that's a, a lot of this movie. Like, pay attention to that, because that is the tone of a lot of this movie. We acknowledge that we should have done more, but we're not letting go. <laughs> we're not going to just we're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. All right. OK, now let me. <laughs> this explosion marks something for me, too, in this movie. And we've talked about this before in the last episode and the ranking episode. This is yeah. the first movie that's going to be completely digitally shot. Yes. Now, when you add digitally shot with, say, in this first explosion, which I think is weak uh, effects-wise, it does not look good. He got, he does a big wide-angle shot to show you how beautiful all the work is, and it always leaves mm. me feeling empty. There's little bits of Jabba flying out. Yeah, you know, Jaws 3D style. <laughs> This is this is my biggest complaint for the movie. I talked about the the thing that that really for me, even though it might not be it might be a weaker story movie, Phantom Menace compared to this one. Yeah. Being shot on film and being shot on location makes that movie better and I always have, you know, I I like what's going on in this movie, but it makes me feel the movie feels a little hollow. Hmm. Because, because of the effects, one and that that'll be a complaint for all three of these movies. But also the the, the entirely digital shot structure, or you know, choosing to shoot it yeah. digitally. Digital wasn't quite there yet, and that seems to be the theme for me for Lucas at this time. He is pushing effects, which I have to respect. He is pushing things forward for film in general. But it's not as good as it should be for his purposes. And for me, it detracts from the film. What say you? Doesn't bother you at all? <laughs> I don't disagree with that. It certainly doesn't bother me as much as it does it, it does you. Sure. I think I generally agree with you in a historical sense that movies that are able to capture the best of both worlds when it comes to practical and digital. Mm-hmm that that's the way movies should be. But when I watch Attack of the Clones, I think actually it look it, it you know it it because it's because it's all digital, it feels more coherent visually than Phantom Menace. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll that's so, that's a good counter argument. Yeah, but but it also but it, it's sort of it's a counter argument to what I would normally say about digital in movies. I just think Phantom Menace the balance isn't right between practical and digital. Mm -hmm. Had they got the balance right, I would probably be making the same argument you did. Gotcha. But given that they didn't, I prefer that that this all look like it belongs in the same, in the same film universe. Yeah. Which I think it does more than Phantom Menace. Okay. Alright. And I and and the other part of that is that com the common again, another common complaint against this movie is how busy it looks. How they just went hog wild with the backgrounds. Oh, I don't think it looks well, any busier than the last movie. Or the next one. Yeah. And I think that's to me, Revenge of the Sith is where they is where they really go hog wild and here there's evidence of some kind of visual restraint. <laughs> A little bit of restraint, yeah. 
which has never been never been acknowledged. I think people just lump this movie and the next movie together because they know they're both kind of digital creations. But if you break it down scene by scene, I think the the crimes of Revenge of the Sith, um, when it comes to sort of yeah, I'll be honest, there's much worse. Yeah, there's much worse. there's literally only one moment that gave me pause of of what you're talking about. Yeah. I, I know I'll, it's always, there's always less than I expected there, to but, be. You know. Yeah. Well, I'll just—I mean, there's it was after the assassination I... attempt hmm. on Queen Am- Amidala, and they're both in her room, and I can't remember if she's in the room talking to them or not. But there's a couple hmm. of little robots outside the window, just kind of cruising yeah. around, and then they take off and leave. And I thought, well, okay, maybe they're checking up yeah. on everybody. I don't know if they've been sent there by, by uh, you know, the galactic. And the, as as Senate I understand leader. it, there was a. <laughs> Do you say the FedEx leader? No, the Senate. <laughs> I thought you meant FedEx, like they were sent to deliver packages. Yeah. Like drones do, could do be. In, our, in our reality, yeah. Um. Yeah, and I I think uh, I think when you do see that, what's clearly happened, and this is borne out by some of the production anecdotes around this film, that stuff was added in post that the actors didn't know was going to be there mm-hmm. when they were playing the roles so it, it's it's kind of done there's no realization from the characters that anything else is there no there's no acknowledgement because how right. could they know and like whole whole sequences that were kind of added on um that were entirely uh gratuitous for the movie um, and we'll talk. We'll, we'll talk about them. We'll break them down and talk about them. But when the when the movies digital landscapes don't work, it's usually because they've added something that they didn't need to add. Mm-hmm. That no one in frame has any idea is happening. <laughs> it, right, right. Um, but I, I I generally like this opening. Again, one of the re- one of the reasons I really like this film is I feel like it's a love letter to Pulp Fiction, and we begin with like a political assassination mm-hmm. plot straight out of an espionage thriller and and that sets the right tone for me i'll agree with that uh, also reminds me of reminds me of the beginning of star trek 2 as well you know the fake out sure the fake out death of the lead character you know <laughs> lucas loves this star trek as much sure. as anyone else yeah but i also you know i think there is a a real kind of classic noirish Mm-hmm. almost Angela Lansbury murder she wrote aspect to this movie and, I, this and I'm not I'm not that's not a detracting I think it, no. you know I think I th- that's the part of the movie I like the most I really like that but and it's, this it's... and that scene does set it off yeah. I might not like the way the the effects look but the yeah. idea behind it I think is fine I think it's great it's a great place to start what do you think about the the uh reflective Naboo ship which is now some kind of a early 20th century plane yeah <laughs> with propellers and right there's a weird thing stylistically with the with the spaceships in this mood just in this movie no I was just gonna say the same thing they're sort of half early aviation half futuristic spaceship mm-hmm. they're like almost sliced right down the middle and when you see Count Dooku's ship at the end, you go, is he, like, pedaling that like a bike? <laughs> <I know. laughs> 
Like a space bike? <laughs> like like those magnificent men in their flying machines? Right. Is that what's going yeah. on here? Well, and I also noticed, because you, you get it right off the bat when the queen's ship, the bigger ship, is first seen. We made a lot of yeah. hay about how shiny the ships were in the last episode. In this movie, I noticed they're, they're going full tilt boogie for reflections and mm. kind of Steven Spielberg lens flare kind of reflections off of ships in this movie that interesting that don't that seems to just be for this movie only that's interesting yeah and it's so it's so funny how certain digital effects are so specific to certain periods of time i know it's right like, up there with parkour in 2012 you know i mean it's right you can really time stamp movies in that way <clears throat> i think so i think so and that that using reflections as if that's the the main gain of mm-hmm. doing things digitally. Yeah. <laughs> it was done too well too early with Terminator 2, I think. Right. Now, they didn't know when to back off. The explosion's going to happen, and then mm-hmm. the Jedi are going to meet with Palpatine and the Queen, who's now the Senator, right? Yeah. Well, we're straight. I mean, after this, after this moment of action, and this this goes to your argument, we're straight into conferences about the succession vote. Yeah. Right. We're 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 back on C-SPAN now. <laughs> yeah. For space. Exactly. We're back in space C-SPAN. But I do want to ask and, you uh, something because my first yeah. question is b- because, and we don't get it until the next movie, but because the emperor becomes the emperor through a lightning accident. Hmm. I, I, I want to know when. You know, that... you know what? You know what? It could be that. I'm not even sure if that's right. <laughs> well, I want to know that's when how, that that's decision how was made. That, se- that has how hamfisted that scene is that you're talking about. I know. That, that's a perfectly acceptable reading of what happens in that scene, but it might not be what actually happened. <laughs> but I'm always struck when I watch this movie that Palpatine looks visibly older. I, I guess they're going for an idea that he's carrying a lot of stress with the job, perhaps. But I thought... I think you're overthinking it there. Right? They just wanted to keep Ian McDermott. Well, you don't think it had something? Because I, when I first saw this movie, I thought, "Oh, he's starting to become the emperor. He's he's looking older. He's looking more fucked oh, up." Oh, okay. And I always, I think the re, I mean, his acting in it is. This so sounds ha- like bits of Jabba, Jedi's growing fast, kind of. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it because <laughs> because That's kind of lore. Well, let me tell you what I wanted. I mean, obviously, we'll talk about what happens to his face in the next film. We certainly will. But throughout the first three movies, when you see the Emperor, first you're seeing him only as, you know, as a uh, computer-generated image, and then you Mm -hmm. finally get him in Jedi. (laughs) Surrounded by computer-generated images. Yeah, exactly. But I was always... In my mind's eye, as a kid and even as an adult, I thought that the dark side of the Force corrupted you in a way that it deformed you. Well, that's the but that's and the this other leans reading. towards that. But so I, I don't under, you know I always wonder why why do they make them both look older? interpretations? Oh, we'll get there. But both interpretations are still in play. The film does not the films do not pin it down. 
And you know what? No film that's featured Palpatine since has made any more sense about what Palpatine is, what is going on with him physically. I think it's just something. It's just a blind spot in in the Skywalker saga that we're just gonna have to accept that we don't really know what's happening physically All right. to Palpatine. We'll get. But to I, it. I appreciate I appreciate what you're saying, but he doesn't look like the job is stressing him out at all, which to me. Well, but his face looks it? different. He looks markedly older. He looks more do, weathered. Do you think so? I do. Yeah. Is that not just the actor aging? No, I don't think so. I think it's a makeup. Oh, okay. So, so basically, you, your theory is that they were ramping up to, uh, you know, and then decided space, to do something else. Wrinkly space, wrinkly space wizard. Yeah. And then, and they didn't, they couldn't do it fast enough in the three movies, so they were like, "We need a lightning accident." Exactly. <laughs> okay. When now that now I understand, I, I think that's in again an entirely possible third interpretation of what. All happened. right. <laughs> And I, so, and and this is we talked about this in the previous couple of Phantom Menace episodes, but the look, you know, look, yeah, Yoda gives <laughs> gives Palpatine a look. I think which... all of Yoda's looks in this movie could have been handled better because I, mean, I, I, well, I we got to say this what is I'm the talking first about is went, his yeah. his inference his inf his inferring about the Emperor and about Skywalker. Yeah. What well, I what I really I wish know. they did more in this movie, and you know, all of this is offset by the choices that Hayden Christian Christensen makes as an actor that George Lucas just doesn't stop, which frustrates me whenever I watch this movie because he's such a pouty little teenager. It's what George wanted. I don't think he's trying to stop him. I think he's encouraging him. To no, that's what I that's what I mean. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't think it was, but it was. He never intended to stop him. He wanted him to go further. With yeah, him. no, I agree, but I think it's a bad idea. I don't know. I and I would I go. I go both ways. Well, let me ask you this: Don't you think it would okay. be extremely interesting? Because they talk around his powers a lot in this movie, mm -hmm. but the powers that they talk about don't seem to match the person I'm watching. Yeah, he can make pears float. Great, but <laughs> I I would can you rather make a pair float. I would. <laughs> can you make a pair float? I can make a pair float float for at least a second or two. <laughs> but what? Well, it's let me yeah, wait. I mean, so let me just say, don't you think it would okay. be more interesting if the feelings of resentment and anger and fear and all the things we've been told that lead you to the dark side of the force. If he was yeah. able to mask that, to not let no. the vibrations of that go out to Yoda, you know, they go out for a second and he'd cut it off. No, because again, we've got precedent in the star Wars galaxy that the Jedi's can feel this kind of galactic trauma going on because of how Obi-Wan reacts to Alderaan. But it makes him more interesting because he's supposed to be that powerful. They're talking about his powers. It's maybe something mm. that no other Jedi can do. But his powers aren't that refined that he could. Oh, I better, I better put in a deflector shield so, <laughs> like a force field, so Yoda doesn't pick up on anything. I of this. think it makes him more in interesting. Trouble. Yeah, exactly. Like he can feel Yoda's feels. No, I, I. I don't think that would be... I think that would be more confusing. 
you're wrong. <laughs> I think it's one of the few straightforward pieces of storytelling in this movie, and I don't want to lose it. All right. Fine. Um, okay. Okay. Fine. But this is, I mean, this is also, and I think this is somewhat deliberate. I think this is also where you start to lose a little bit of faith in Yoda and, and the Jedi. Oh, completely. Because they, I really they, they noticed it they... on this watching. The Jedi yeah. seem like some of the worst people in the galaxy in this movie. Well, because they're basically, they they admit behind closed doors, we don't know what the fuck is going on. But we're okay? not going to tell anybody that. That's it. It's like Nixon's White House in there. They're totally. sort of like, we cannot let this get out. And like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, exactly. These are our heroes? What the hell is um, going on? Not only that, when somebody starts talking about uh, Dooku... Yeah. You know, uh, it's yeah. Queen Amidala. She says, I think it's Dooku that's after me. And Mace Windu is like, fuck you, lady. Yeah. No, that no, guy's no, 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 a no. Jedi. You shut yeah. your dirty mouth. You insulted him, insulted him a little bit. You insulted him a little bit. <laughs> With all due respect. Sorry. I forgot he stacks in that movie. No, 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 <laughs> exactly. Yes. So I think I think at this and I, I, I go back and forth on how deliberate I think it is. But if you compare this to Phantom Menace, where they are star kind of positive role models to a large extent, mm-hmm. that does seem to be we're starting to. The uh, veneer the is, is st- kind of starting to turn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the blame, you know, this time when you see them in their non-action figure poses in those lounge chairs. Right. There's a darker tinge to it. Which is all about, you know, let's keep all this behind closed doors and let's make sure it never gets out. And obviously when it gets to the next movie, you know that that Palpatine's going to exploit that because he could tell the Senate whatever he wants about Mm -hmm. the Jedi because they've got no public relations. Right. You know, (laughs) they've got no public relations division. Also, based on this movie... The senator might be right. Palpatine might be Again, right Again, Palpatine's them. the hero of the movie. <laughs> exactly. And this is his quest. <laughs> so good. Well, at any rate, by the end of the scene, they're going to assign Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker to protect the senator. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've got... we're, And at this point, we're sort of... We're kind of introducing a couple of new characters. Space Jimmy Smits. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to take the credit for that. That's Star Wars Minute, but... He will forever be Space Jimmy Smits. Uh, I believe he's called Bail Organa in the film, but he's Space Jimmy Smits. I'll say this um, though: there are three people. I'll count. I'll count. I'll say four. There, there are four people in this movie that seem to have no problem with George Lucas's dialogue, and Space Jimmy Smits is one of them. Yeah, I. I he he's doesn't got have a probably, lot to say. But no, every time in the next speaking, movie, he gets in the it. next movie. I think he and the next movie I think he has the worst line of dialogue George Lucas has ever written, and he some somehow comes out on top. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but also, what's notable in this scene? This is do over, double down. Yeah. Uh, time, a silent Jar Jar Binks. Right. Now just a, you know, a back. <laughs> he's a he's still there, but he's non-speaking background. We're just gonna have him walk down a hallway and turn left. And it's, it, yeah, it's, and it's also, so interesting. And also, I think it's right around here, too. There's a weird moment where he seems to look just right down the barrel of the fucking camera. So this is the double down, right? You've had the do-over. Okay, Jar Jar's not going to speak. He's he's only going to do his, his shtick when he gets excited. Yeah. 
Okay, but the rest of the time he's going to stay quiet. It's he's very not going to hear him call Obi steal focus. Kenobi, Obi. Yeah, <laughs> he's not going to. You know, he's not going to steal focus. Mm-hmm. And then George Lucas has him looking into the lens of the camera and smiling. <laughs> If that is not trolling an audience, I don't know what you, is. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's incredible. I mean, honestly, I have nothing but admiration for that kind of <laughs> that that just that that sheer. I don't know what chutzpah. to call it. Like, it's chutzpah. It's kind of just like the refusal to admit you're wrong. <laughs> you got it wrong, mm-hmm. you know. And I mean, again, like he could, I could see, a, I could, you know, if he was ever asked about that, I don't think anyone ever has. But if he was ever asked about that, he could say, well, it's like an olive branch, isn't it? It's like, hey, let's just be friends. <laughs> and I'm sure that's. What I read he what would you said. I read what you said about me, but <laughs> hey. But I, I, to me, the tone of it has always been still here, motherfucker. Eat a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Guess who's still in the? Guess who's still in this movie? Because it's so. I mean, it's just, you know, it does. It is a good few seconds of him, kind of. It's not right. just that he looks into camera. He also does a little face. Yeah. Before, exactly. before he looks back into the, you know, he goes back into the world of the film. Does sometimes I would almost. Sometimes I would almost swear it looks like he's sticking his tongue out. Yeah. Like a. Meh. And you know he's got actually probably the most the 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 most successful use of Jar Jar in any of the movies is when Obi Wan and Anakin start getting at it, and he's in the middle and he just goes like that like <laughs> it's like that's the best use of Jar Jar because it's not too much but it works dramatically for the scene. Oh, that's good because it's like. It's telling the audience there's some tension between there's some you know tension between these guys that will end up with one of them being horribly burned. Mm-hmm. Wow, Anakin's grown into a dick. He is unbearable in this movie. He really is, yeah. That's and how he's going from big a dick he is, and he's also just a whiner. Well, like father, like son. I mean, <laughs> I always bought that bought that he was a Skywalker. <laughs> having seen his progeny but christensen's sort of play like he well again under george lucas's direction playing the darkness and the venom straight away it's like it goes zero to 60 yeah exactly there's you know this is my biggest complaint for this movie there's just no nuance no mm. subtext it's all text all thoughts are said true yes you know, before before they've been reformulated as dialogue. Yes, exactly. Right. And <laughs> I, I think I guess it bums me out a little bit because I think this could be one of the better Star Wars movies overall. If just a little more attention was paid to, you know, and I just I mean, I think you're right when you said that that that, you know, his you know, Christensen's choices in this movie, his demeanor in the movie were were Lucas's choices. But man, they're baffling to me. It's it it's mm. No, I I've never I've never had much of a problem with it. Oh. Like it he seems more like he's heading towards Darth Vader in this movie than he does in the next movie, which So that to me that's the next movie's fault. 
uh, no, I mean, yeah, he, uh, yeah. story-wise, I'll say you're right. But yeah. I'm talking about delivery. I'm talking about choice of words that were written. It, it could be, I, I just want a little bit of nuance. And I, I, the other thing is this movie feels hollow to me. Granted, even the human beings might not be human beings in this movie, but even when we're watching sci-fi, we want to connect to it as human beings, and I don't in this movie. Really? Wow. No, not really. Hmm. And the dialogue I, I... as written and the choices that most of the actors are making are what, to me, fails this movie. I, I, I feel like, it's, again, it's a low bar, but the, the sincerity of emotion reads to me in this movie more than either of the two others. Okay. And I think the actors have a lot a lot to do with that. There are weird moments like there certainly are. When after he kills all the uh Tuscan yeah. raiders, mm-hmm. he has some terrible dialogue <laughs> search, he has to say. Searching for the searching for the right words there. I appreciate I, that. I, I absolutely did. That's for, for your benefit only. They they're people and I, th- they I the even sand. think they're I, sand I, people. I, I think Tuscan Raiders is is you know like a racist person trying to catch up with what we're saying now. I think just Tuscans maybe. Ah. Tuscan natives maybe. I don't know. Tuscan natives. Look at you. But they're so. I mean, in this movie, they're just pure sand people. Yeah, exactly. As far so as the, this movie is concerned. To the point where the Anakin's like, I hate it. sand, and we'd all know what he means. He means, I hate sand people. And the people that live in the sand. <laughs> but there's that moment where he kills everybody, he has some terrible dialogue that he has to say. The the words that he says should make I don't like it. Senator Amidala run away from him. But he but But then no, he I, does turn I, around and he's actually emoting with actual tears, and I think Yeah, well, exactly. He's he I mean, this is, it all adds up to me, you know, it, 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 this is his, this is his trauma coming out. And Padme knows from whence he comes. Story-wise, I think you're right. Dialogue and acting, not up to par. Uh, okay. I, 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 well, we'll get there, but that section of the film I think is really excellent, actually. From start to finish. Okay. But the, the Tatooine, not from start to finish, but the Tatooine, whatever the Tatooine cutaways are in that section are really mm-hmm. good. It feels All right, like... let's talk assassination attempt with worms. Centipedes. Yeah, now, this right. is how you know this movie is a love letter to Pulp Fiction. This is a pull <laughs> from the book of Dr. No that was then changed <laughs> in the movie to a tarantula. But in the original book, it was a centipede. That nice. is how in the weeds of Pulp Fiction this movie is. All right. But they're pulling from Ian Fleming's Doctor No. <laughs> the paperback. <laughs> yeah, and I something I really so I like uh I like the you know the fact he's playing with the idea of a political conspiracy thriller. Um and I like the fact that the boring political science conversations are happening off-screen. While mm-hmm. we see basically like you know a tense robot assassination plot go on on screen, tense. I think that's a good. All right. I, I yeah, barely. And it's although there is a lot of important information 
that is off said off screen, like right, all right. the stuff about Pal- basically Anakin and Palpatine and our best puds. Mm-hmm. And that's important information. In fact, that's really all that <laughs> that's matters. Really, really important information. <laughs> So if you're not listening and you're just watching the worms and the robots, but, you might not. Um, yeah, you, you, you might miss, the other miss thing, quite a lot. The other thing that started to concern me about we were talking about how terrible the Jedi people are. Yeah, because Obi Wan starts talking about some of it's on screen, and then you can, can hear voices in the background when you go into the room. But he's talking about how politicians can't be trusted. Yeah, it felt very MAGA. Made me made me nervous. You think so? Yeah. Huh. Well, I mean, what Mace Windu does in in the next movie is basically January sixth. Yeah, totally. Um, I guess I guess we'll get there um, when they get there. But I think <laughs> I think we mentioned briefly in the last episode. If we mentioned anything briefly in the last episode, we did not. We did not. That um, this basically. Padme's incestuous love for Anakin, mm-hmm. not incestuous, pedophilic love for Anakin, right. incest is, is the last trilogy. Her pedophilic love, <laughs> desire for Anakin, she's let off the hook here because he comes off as a pure sexual predator from the first moment he's on screen. To the yeah, last. exactly, right. So she's off the hook. Whatever was done before, he is now the no, apex but of there the is, predators. There... I I think you're mostly right, but there is one moment where she says, "I can only think of you as that little boy that I met on Tatooine," and then ten minutes later, she's you know, hmm. tongue down the throats. But, I can't you I know, can't give her a pass on that. But he's also kind of mind raping her from another room. <laughs> it's different than while the, she sleeps. Yeah, it's different than the rape kiss. Is he's mind raping her from the other room because he's like, I know everything that's going on in there. Mm-hmm. Well, why is that? <laughs> and You're using your tele- telepathy for yeah, there's uh, that non-consensual one, there, penetration? <laughs> there's that one ugly Jedi moment where Obi-Wan says, I feel it too. As if all the Jedis can be mind raping her in the room. Oh, much mocked is the, the reintroduction of Obi-Wan and... Uh, Anakin, where they're in the elevator and they have a lot of, they refer to adventures that we Banter. have not seen. Mm-hmm. I I always think that that's that's fine. Like, nah, it oh, might be it might be pushing the point a bit too much. That yes, okay, they're friends, as well as master and student. But sure, I think it's 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 fine. No, I don't have any problem with that. Okay, good. it's one of the things I like about this movie. Their relationship. When they're together, whenever they're away from each other and he's complaining about Obi-Wan for reasons I can't fathom. Well, again, there's the remnants of a love triangle that was supposed to happen here again, I think. I, yeah, maybe. That does this kind of, yeah, there's a... But, you know, in this scene, it everything that Obi-Wan does in this scene plays into what Anakin says about him later. Like, he he's trying to micromanage Anakin when he should... Yeah, but that seems to be the Jedi way, so he's supposed to shut up and listen. But it looks like, you know, well, Obi-Wan will finally admit in Return of the Jedi that, you know, he failed as a teacher. Mm -hmm. And this is is him failing as a teacher in real time, I think. Maybe. But he doesn't (laughs) seem to be doing anything different than Qui-Gon did with him in the last movie. That's not an excuse. Can't... (laughs) 
No, I, I agree with you. You're right. Qui-Gon makes some bad choices too. For instance, picking up Anakin and taking him <laughs> to the heart of the Galactic uh, Senate. Hey, are the bed sheets CGI too? I made a note that the, even the bed sheets look CGI. I think I think we At have least to assume one ev- everything is. I think we have to assume everything is. Oh man. Um. So we get here. We get to the sky chase. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a major action sequence. Fifteen minutes in, that's about the same as Empire Strikes Back. You know, the and it's like battle. eight minutes long. It's pretty long. It's um, a long we see chase for nothing. You must to be happen. happy. We see we see Sebulba. I think. Do we? Is that Sebulba? I don't. I don't think it's him. I think it's somebody like him. Oh, I could have sworn that was Sebulba doing a J.W. Pepper kind of. <laughs> He's he's back, but he really shouldn't be in Coruscant for any reason. I guess I guess they all just look the same to you. Oh, they yeah, like the sand people do to you. <laughs> I didn't mean to say sand people. Yes, you did. Yes, I did. And yeah, and this is where it looks. This is where to me it 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 did. You know, it's not breaking new ground stylistically, but. It felt more fluent, like the the digital of it all felt more fluent than it had in the previous yeah, movie. Yeah, there's that. But it also feels, I think it, to me, it always reminds me that Lucas feels like he's telling us, showing us something new. And I'm always yeah. thinking, I've seen this in Back to the Future and The Fifth Element. And Blade Runner. And Blade Runner. But that's what I like about it, because I think most of the time, George Lucas... Do, makes move the movies that George Lucas has made, you know, in the since the original Star Wars trilogy. It looks like he never watches those like move like current day movies. Yeah, but this right. feels like he's taken stock of what's going on in modern day science fiction, like movies that came after Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And I don't get a sense of that from from other many movies. of his from other movies he's made since then. It all feels yeah. like he's going back to something from the 90s scene in a silent movie. Okay. In the 20s. But this feels, which I guess he is doing here with the metropolis of it all. Mm-hmm. He's seeing how that's been re-articulated through Blade Runner, through the fifth element. Sure. And I, I, I've always really liked this, uh, this sequence. Also, it's a car chase. And that's something that Star Wars hasn't done before. Yeah. So it's a car chase, but I also think it's too long, and I don't think a lot happens in it to warrant it being that long. You say the same about the pod race. No, I, do, I think the pod race is better than this. But you, in terms of things happening, I mean, there's there's more going on here narratively than, than there is in the pod race. Uh, I don't know if I agree, because a race is a race, and so... <laughs> This is not a race. This is just trying to catch someone. Yeah, but it's someone who has important information. Sure. Or at least knows someone who has important information. <laughs> who, who knows at, someone who has... Who, who in turn knows someone who has important look, information. Look at you. Backtracking out turn, of your own strong Who in arguments. turn knows Count Dooku. That's like five <laughs> steps... It's like a seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Another bit of key information that will become important later is dropped in the middle of this scene when they talk about how great a swordsman Yoda is. Mm-hmm. And my theory about this is that George Lucas once gave an interview where he said that 
like not all Jedi's use lightsabers and Yoda wouldn't have a for instance wouldn't have a lightsaber he'd have different you know his Jedi powers are different so knowing that he's going to give him a lightsaber at the end of this movie we suddenly have to learn about what a great swordsman he is right well and I, I sort of well I'll, I, I'll wait till we get there but yeah but here's here's something here's another bit of contrast with around this time in Phantom Menace if you're comparing it you know one like for like scene for mm-hmm. scene this this feels much more visceral and threatening to me than the uh, underwater sequence. Well, f- for sure, the underwater sequence, but it doesn't feel more visceral than the pod race. No. No, I agree with that. Okay. But I'm thinking about where it is, what's the equivalent in the running time. Running uh, time? The underwater sort of sequence so this is more this feels more energetic exciting and real than that i'll give i don't have a problem admitting that <laughs> we know how much i, I, I hate the it, underwater sequence that's fine but it also and it's, it, it's interesting it also like the, extends my argument from the water sequence in which everything's a little too easy for everybody both of these guys take a thousand foot drop hmm. uh, without a problem. Sure. And you you know, you don't feel the danger for them. And so for me, well, I we know only... they, <laughs> there's no way to feel danger because we know they're going to be fine because I know it's a prequel, but within the confines of the format. Sure. Let's, let's have a car chase. <laughs> okay. Car chases are fun. Fun movies have car chases in them. Well, it's it's no bullet. It's not a Ronin. It's not a French connection. But they really lead into the Blade Runner. I mean, the yeah. fl- when you see the flaming chimneys, and then John Williams turns on the Vangelis button on his <laughs> synthesizer. I'll tell you the thing I like the most about the entire scene. When they crash, they meet up, sh- she's run into the bar... And Obi Wan oh, Kenobi yeah. says, "You'll be the 100%. death of me." Oh, you like that? I do. So that's the thing I like least about the scene. Oh God, damn it! Because <laughs> we that's can't just... agree on anything. No, I know, but that's just like the worst prequel dialogue. It's just full-on dramatic irony. He would never say this organically, in any context, except to refer to something that then happens that we know, that we as the audience know knows it is going to happen. Oh, I don't know. I, I really that was I, I everything I, else about Obi Wan in that scene I think is excellent. Not, I think it's, that was the one part I think was too much. Oh, I kind of like that he throws it away. Well, I agree with that. No, I agree with the delivery, but it shouldn't have been in there. It's just one step too far for me. All right. It's just he might have well said, "You'll be the death of me, and I'm going to fry you horribly in a." in a pool of lava before that happens. I mean, you might as well at that point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they... And it's a face change. So when do we see the face that the alien is a shapeshifter? Is it we just at the very end? We see it once in the, in the actual vehicle itself. And you know, yeah. You know the story about this, right? Dart. You no. know the story that the actor didn't know that they were a shapeshifter. Oh. That sounds like George Lucas. 
<laughs> so jackass. so when you if you watch the sequence knowing that you realize like yeah it makes absolutely no difference to anything mm-hmm. it's a complete add-on it doesn't change a thing no narratively no no yeah 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 it doesn't because she gets shot in the neck she does the yeah. shape-shifting and dies it would have been the same if she wasn't a shapeshifter. It's also strange that they would use a dart that could lead Obi-Wan Kenobi directly to Jango Fett. That's that's not the good yeah, again, work of a, of a just, classy no, that's, assassin. No, that's just, to me, that's just like classic uh, police procedural yeah. stuff. Like, you know, when you look CSI, it's like, no, you can't, you can't sort of, you, you can't get someone's DNA from like a radish or whatever it is that they... <laughs> Whatever it is that they you do. You can't get a thumbprint off radish. Don't tell me what I could get a thumbprint off. <laughs> I tell you what, why don't we take a break? We've gotten through the chase and Oh well, we'll... I've got more to say about the chase. Oh, oh sure. okay, I guess more uh, more about the bar. Just last thing to say about the chase okay. before we get into the bar. Because yeah. that's a whole different set It's piece, a different thing. Uh, they're throwing around lightsabers like it's the opening of The Last Jedi. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're even cutting them in half. When when they talk about the lack of respect for lightsabers oh, no, in, the, in, the, in, the, in The Last Jedi, that's nothing compared to this scene. <laughs> I like that uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi makes a big deal about him losing his lightsaber again. Yeah. Again, adventures we've not seen. Yeah. Referred to in dialogue. I'm okay with it. Uh, well, 10 years. That's the other thing we didn't mention. 10 years have passed. Yeah. Which is nonsense. a long time, but 10 years between... have not passed. I mean, they have, but that's a stupid idea. Why is that a stupid idea? Because it's a stupid no... idea if you don't have 10 years between this movie and the next movie. Yeah. But it's not a stupid idea in and of itself. It's like, I think we talked about this. He just completely and totally hamstrung himself by hiring a 10-year-old and then hiring a 20-year-old. Because and he should have hired else, a 30-year-old for the third movie. Nobody else has grown that much in age, despite what yeah. you say about fucking Jedi. It well, just, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not pushing that line. I, 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 it I just, admit that that, that is uh, playground rumor. It makes everything work less and just not gel in for the way all that of it the should. star wars movies for all of the star wars movies the amount of time between the movies has to be consistent inside each trilogy for it for them to work and only really the og star wars gets there yeah the the prequels and the sequels fuck that up. They have two different time losses right. between films that don't make that make everything impossible to do. Right. Okay. All right. Let's take a break. Okay. And then we'll be right back. Speaking of impossibilities, let's take a break. <laughs> Listen to this quality message. Does the coronavirus have you feeling oogie? Have you been sitting on your couch for weeks? Nay, have you been sitting on there for months? Well, it's time for you to get back in shape. Check out 2 a T Fitness. 
You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. Two A T Fitness was started by Tina Bernard. She is ready and raring to go to help you get back into the shape you want to get into. They've got all kinds of classes. They've got outdoor in-person classes. They've got online classes if that's what you prefer. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get back in shape. You're going to find a variety of exercises. You're going to have strength training, cardio, weightlifting, even fun five-minute burnouts that will push you to your limits. So get off the couch, get into shape. Go ahead and check out Tua T Fitness. Tina Bernard has got you for all your needs. I know her personally. She's fantastic. You're not going to meet a better person to help you become the new you. Check it out. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Tom and I are here, of course, getting into the minutiae of Attack of the Clones, <laughs> the 2002 film directed by George Lucas. All right, Tom, we just entered the bar. Speaking of minutiae, you see the the video game sports betting that's going on at yeah, the bar? Yeah, very much so, yeah. I mean, that falls victim to the Phantom Menace's problem of drawing... Too much, too much our from world. our world. Yeah, exactly. And it's always about sports. I why know. is it always it's weird? Why is it always sports where the the kind of the the uh, <laughs> the bridge between our reality and Star Wars kind of breaks down? Because <laughs> this just looks like anywhere you know any Vegas sports betting booth. Yeah. Not space. It doesn't have to be football. <laughs> no, it doesn't. You know. I'm okay. It, it, I'm okay yeah. if we if we're watching like ten BB8s just going in a straight line racing. Yeah, I'd be fine seeing that. I guess. I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. But in general, I I do I like everything that's going on at this bar. I also like the 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 scene before where they're running through the streets. Mm-hmm. Again, like very Blade Runner. Yeah. But in terms of, you know again that that something i really liked about phantom menace was the world building and i feel like there's just something here that feels like feels like an another place and another time yeah like it's it's created it authentically and say what you want about the sequels but they never did that like they never created convincing alien realities i agree and i think there are there are scenes there are set pieces in these movies which do that in this trilogy, this is one of them. And this, I think this is this is one of them. Like I believe it. I buy that this is what Coruscant, in this part of the planet, looks like. Yeah. This, hey, you know the planet's one big city. I don't know if you've heard. <laughs> Indeed, I have. <laughs> but I also like that Mc, William McGregor's really working in the Alec Guinness when he's called upon to do so. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you're right. I, I don't like the line about the you'll be the death of me, but he's definitely channeling Alec Guinness in that moment, and that sort of makes it worth it. Right. But just the whole the whole idea of where you're going, I'm going to get a drink. Yeah. Like when we see when we see Obi Wan in uh, the cantina, he looks comfortable. He looks like he's been there before. He looks like he's been in several establishments like this. Right. And so this all ties together. Like the two performances really tie together at this moment. So so much so he can he can he can just Jedi mind trick someone out the side of his mouth, yeah. So as not to disturb his drinking is, too much. This is I love that. Funny, this is the funniest joke in, in the trilogy so far. I think probably yeah. 
and exactly because he throws it away. Like it's just it's just an annoyance to <laughs> yes, him. Yes, exactly. He's just got to get this fly out of his face, right. basically. And this is the quickest way to do it. I also like and the he's... guy to his left who seems to be cottoning on to what's going on. He's kind of yeah, giving a little furtive look out the side of his eye. I think <laughs> kind of like that. And uh, you know this this scene is also a vehicle for cameos from actors who are normally behind masks or rendered by CGI because we have a cameo from Anthony Daniels and Ahmed Best in this scene. Yeah, right. I noticed Ahmed um, Best. And uh, you know, I, I understand Anthony Daniels because you know we we he's never right out of the mask. But Ahmed Best, I mean, it's only been one movie. And also, now that they have... Who are you to been... say he hasn't earned it? All the shit he got? <laughs> well, that's true. Poor that bastard. True. But Eve, did they know that then? Oh, like, I the, think so, they... yeah. I mean, we're okay. Are... Well, we're if all... they're trying to make it up to him, then that's fine. But now that now that he play, he, he's been recast as a character <laughs> who lives in Coruscant in this period of time, it's a bit weird seeing him in the bar because I don't think that guy's supposed to be a Jedi Master. Who, the, the guy he's playing? I don't think it's supposed... Right, yeah, because he's just some sleaze at a bar here. Yeah. But he's playing a Is everybody different... in the bar supposed to... What are you saying? That everyone in the bar is supposed to be a Jedi Master? No, no, no. What I'm saying is, when we get to the Mandalorian... Oh, I see. Okay. Ahmed Best plays a Jedi Master who exists in this period of time, living right, in right, Coruscant, right, 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 right. who saves Baby Yoda right. from the Jedi Temple. So, you know... Is this supposed to? Be, is this supposed to be the same it's guy? Supposed to be the same guy? I don't think so. Oh, there's just two guys, two men who looking identical. Yeah. One of whom is a sleaze, the other who is a Jedi, yeah. a Jedi master. Because I guess they could have, you know, they could uh, add in, they could special edition a scene where Obi Wan <laughs> recognizes him. Mm -hmm. What are you doing here, master? <laughs> so that complicates the Ahmed best. Uh, For you, cameo. Well, for, for in continuity now, it's not just me. I think you're the only one caring. I really don't think I am. Don't, don't, I don't think Star Wars fandom is beyond caring about minutia. Smaller than Ahmed Best appearing in the same time period. I think it goes, runs much deeper than that, my friend. All right, fine. I, was I, ta say I take Boba it as two different people. I move on. I do too. I it, go it, make it, a again, fucking sandwich and get on with my life. Exactly. But also, you'd think that you would cast him as someone not in this time period. Anyway, uh, that implies that anyone on either side cares about what the other does, which we, as we know, <laughs> yeah, from Star Wars we is not true. Yeah. Um. So Boba Fett's back, as far as we know. Right. Yeah. We don't know that this is Django, who is also Boba. <laughs> because Boba is a clone of Django, right? But also his son. All, all, all um, wrapped up in one messy little package. <laughs> There's traces of shit on the outside of this package. <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, you know, we're we're like, I guess, if you're watching this without knowing where the story's gonna go you're like hey look that's boba fett presumably boba right. fett lives a long time right yeah He's exactly one of those species that lives a long time like every species we crowbarred into this trilogy <laughs> uh 
but no, we'll return to him him later. Um, I kind of like that shot of uh, him darting the woman and then taking off. Taking off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I think it's a little that, weird how nonplussed the Jedi's are by it. They're like, "Well, fuck that. That guy's gone." <laughs> uh, they really went to great lengths to chase this yeah. person, and then that person takes off, and they're, oh, well, fuck it." Yeah. And then we have back a second in, you know, ten minute car chase. And then we're back into uh, Jedi Council business. Right. They're still. This is, they haven't got out of their chairs yet. This is the first time. Mm-hmm. This is the. We're still in chairs. <laughs> and uh, also, you know, consistent with the first film, we're going back to Naboo. Yeah. Or that's the. the it's you know it, that's uh, that's the plan is that's to go back to the decision. Which is the t- so Naboo is becoming the Tatooine of this trilogy, except we go back to Tatooine as well. So yeah. Tatooine is the Tatooine of this trilogy. <laughs> He had a it's perfect one, opportunity one to to transplant Naboo for Tatooine, but he insists on doing both. Yeah, and I think this is the this is the moment where we're revisiting the culpability of the Jedi because they put Anakin right in Palpatine's crosshairs mm-hmm. for selfish reasons. So it's really their fault. True, the, yeah. the two of them bonded. <laughs> Because they forced them together for their own ends. Yeah, go go convince the senator to convince Padme. Hmm. Sure, exactly. I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> but this and this is the first apart from that, you know, brief that uh, brief moment at the end of the Phantom Menace, this is the first time Vader and the Emperor or Palpatine and Anakin are forging their relationship. See, that's what you know, that's why the time jump feels so weird. You know, this is a pretty fucking long con that the senator is going for. You know what I mean? You by the senator you mean Palpatine? Palpatine, yeah. Sorry. Okay, he's chancellor now. Chancellor, you're right. Supreme chancellor, I believe. But okay, anyway. fine. Um, yeah, but yes, it it. Uh, well, again, I I <laughs> you, you can't. I don't know. Well, you can, but I do. <laughs> you're never gonna get to the. You're never gonna get to the bottom of the Palpatine mystery. All right, fine. Of what he's thinking at any given moment. I know. At one point in this movie, when Dooku comes back to him, he says everything is going as planned. I thought, really? <laughs> well, that's a great question. Is is like, is Palpatine the ultimate galactic chancer, or is he really like you know moving all the chess pieces? That's the thing. We'll never know. Both are entirely possible. Is he just responding to what happens, or is he making it happen? Right. And it's all part of a, you know, like a pun within margins of error. Because the Jedi think that it's Federation guy that tries to blow up Padme. Mm-hmm. But I keep asking myself, so wait, was is this Palpatine? <laughs> because they're all Duke working for him. And then Dooku says something later on, which... I, I've never understood and I don't know whether he's lying or he's telling the truth <laughs> this is like that riddle about there's one guy you just gate to heaven and a gate to hell one guy tells the truth and the one guy is always lying. lies what question do you have? Yeah, yeah it's like that because Dooku later on in the movie says well he was portrayed by by uh, <laughs> uh, by Darth Sidious by a uh, yeah, uh, right. Sith Lord and I'm like well does he believe that or is he just saying that to Obi-Wan 
Right, because there, there doesn't seem, in, in that moment, there doesn't seem to be a reason to give up the plan no. to Obi-Wan Kenobi in that moment. No. <laughs> Except to come off as, I'm not as bad as you think I am. Yeah, well, I guess we'll get that because that scene deserves special attention, I think. What um, would Dooku say, Emperor, if I asked him? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> would, would he say Newt Gunray <laughs> was portrayed by you? Right. Or would he say that you were working together? <laughs> so, and now that now the Jedi are up and walking, except Yoda, who's floating. Yeah, he's floating. And I got this has got to be where the Mandalorian got the idea to have Baby Yoda in a floating bassinet. <laughs> this is the beginning of that. They always float. It was decided. Yeah. It was it was decided. Now, so they're going back. So Anakin. There's also and because Pat- they they you know they they set out what they're going to do. They give the assignments. They tell Obi Wan he's got to go <laughs> find this bounty hunter. <laughs> But then they have this scene where it's just, I think it's just Obi-Wan They talking. send everyone to their spinoff. Yeah, exactly. They? And they're, they're, they you, gotta you go. You go with fish. I need, I need you guys to go off to your different respective second act parts. You're Aftermash. You're fish. Yeah, exactly. But there's this moment where I think it's Obi-Wan Kenobi, Mace Windu, and Yoda all talking together. Yeah. And this was another part that made me feel uncomfortable because mm-hmm. all the closeness between Anakin and Obi-Wan seemed to be out the window because he's like, he's yeah. an arrogant fuck. He shouldn't have this assignment. Fuck that kid. It's, yeah, the, so the <laughs> this is where I noted that I one of the one of the key weaknesses in the storytelling in these movies, uh-huh. aside from the the, the the dialogue, is that George Lucas frequent, Aha, frequently the dialogue. Has, yes, I I no, I've come to that before. <laughs> that that people's perspectives flip sometimes yeah. mid scene. Right. So this scene starts out the so since the last movie, the Jedi and Obi Wan now think entirely differently about the same person (laughs) right about the same subject as they did in the last movie yeah because now obi-wan is pushing a line that he was pushing the opposite of in the last movie (laughs) and you get a sense that george lucas just forgets who thinks what and is happy just for them both to just cross over sure in mid-scene and it's it's it and again it doesn't reflect well on the on the jedi also doesn't Um, it don't doesn't jar jar at one point say mooey mooey Mm-hmm. Now, leaving Jar Jar in charge <laughs> seems like a bad idea. Yeah. But I gotta say, even the most extreme sitcom version of this wouldn't have ended with him launching the galaxy into fascism for 20 years. <laughs> Did I do that? <laughs> also, th- this is a key difference between this film and the last one. Imagine what slapstick shenanigans would have ensued if this were Phantom Menace. I know, exactly. And you left Jar Jar in charge of being, in, like, in charge of a Senate seat. Well, because I always he think... He'd have been there uh, juggling Senate seats. When when she's telling him what he needs to do, my my last, my old, my, my first thought is always, the last time we saw him, he was fumbling with blue bombs, fucking yeah. blowing shit up. <laughs> his own yeah. shit, I might add. 
and and this i think this is a, you know specifically another kind of uh, olive branch right to the <laughs> to the the people who hate jar jar which is where padme interrupts him mid sentence yeah and says get the fuck out of here yeah and i think i think lucas was hoping for an applause moment there this is the this is the moment I was referencing earlier because this is the moment where he just walks away from camera and turns left, right? Yeah. Just to, to it seems in that moment he's gonna walk out of our lives forever, but no, no, he's got more damage to do. Oh no, he's gonna come back with a vengeance. <laughs> Literally, he's gonna come back with the vengeance of the Sith. It should be the movie should be called The Vengeance of Jar Jar. Well, I mean, you know, there are fan theories out there about that Jar Jar is secretly a Sith Lord because if you trace his actions throughout <laughs> the movies, he's the biggest catalyst for what yeah. happened. There's um, some, uh, there's a couple of things in these next sequences that confuse me. One, why, why was does... it visible confusion? Well, Obi Wan is looking for a planet. He goes and sees yes. Dex. Oh. Love these scenes. He goes and sees yeah. Dex at the uh, Back to the Future Cafe. He or, finds... or the American Graffiti. Yeah, yeah, okay. Style Diner, which is kind of. I'll it give must you that. be what George Lucas is pulling from. Now, what do you think of that before we start? What do you think of. Because this is, this is where, again, this is where people draw the line in terms of it's too much like Earth and Earth's history. It's too specific. I like the idea of it. I don't think Dex looks very good. But the diner itself, you don't have an issue with it being a 1950s style diner with a robot. No, I waitress who says, I, I don't love fun. it. I don't love it. Because to me, playing devil's advocate, uh -huh. as I've been forced into doing with this movie on a number of occasions, it, the layout of it reminds me of Back to the Future. More than American Graffiti. Right. And that seems like a but, weird... I don't know if it's a thing for his pal, for Steven Spielberg, mm. or what. But oh. I don't I don't know. Sometimes these things just hit you differently. I, I You asked me yeah. about one in the last episode, and I was like, no, I kind of like that. But in this one, I go, well, all right, I'll put up with it. I mean, it makes sense where, when you know where it's going. Like, it, this is the mm -hmm. opening scene of... Obi-Wan Private Eye. Yeah, right. This is the cold open of Obi-Wan Private Eye, yeah. right? The, 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 <laughs> of the TV show we both The second wanted. act spin-off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the second act spin-off of, uh, of Obi-Wan's uh, story. Um, this is going to be the next hour of the movie for him. It's just him going to sort of noiry places yeah. and picking up clues each, right. at each place. I love it. I really like it. I, I, <laughs> I think... But... And I even like, and this is something we don't get enough of in Star Wars, is this kind of a sense of what people think of droids. Yeah. It seems very clear in this scene, more than it is in any other scene, where they say, you know, if, if droids could think, then there'd be, you know, none of us, would there? Yeah. And I, I thought, I thought, oh, I like this kind of casual robot racism. Yeah, I know. I want to know, we, more, know more about this. We haven't gotten course... the sense of this since we got since the first movie when we heard we don't serve their kind here. Right, exactly. Yeah. There's, there's that, and the, the, there's uh, um, also you know, and then my other my other favorite non-original trilogy movie, Solo, which makes a big deal of that. Mm -hmm. 
a droid rights. So, yeah, I don't necessarily like the look. I mean, it, you know, the look of Dexter is pure Monsters Inc. Sure. But where 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 it don't belong. Yeah. You know, like a movie with humans. <laughs> but I I kind of you know I think. But you know what I do archety- respect. Archety- I respect archetypally. I like, I like it. I like Ewan McGregor too. Because he's acting in well, front of a big blob of nothing, and uh, he's making me believe... I believe that, that's how Dexter was described in yeah, the original drawing. He's making me believe he's that his buddy is sitting in front of him. Yeah, yeah, he's... there. Everyone's everyone's leaning into the, to the noir of it all. And, you know, I think that they're, they're trying to create a, a one-scene alien... That's striking to look at with a distinctive spiral of speech. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's every Star Wars alien, and they're, they're somewhat successful with it. But I guess uh, for they, me, there's a lot of anti-Dexter sentiment out there, and I don't think it's earned. Oh, okay, I but guess... I can see that it doesn't look as good as it could have done. Yeah, it, I I always liked the uh, the portions guy in the Force Awakens. I want Dex to be more like portions. When... Oh yeah, Unkar Clut. Yeah. All right. Fine. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say it to me like I just made up that name. That's his name. Unkar <laughs> Clut. <laughs> That's mine. Yeah. I actually, but I, I, I prefer this. Uh... I prefer his. I don't mean in demeanor. I just speech. like CGI. He looks that character looks the way I want. Oh the, yeah, you know what I mean. Well, the like, time we get to the sequels, they they've they've learned how to marshal practical and digital yeah. together in one um, better than they do in these movies. That's for sure. But my question for you is: Then Obi Wan is trying to find this planet, and he's supposed to be a sage Jedi master. And I, you know, I even even Yoda has to point out, aren't children amazing? And I think, no, they're not amazing. I figured this out ten minutes ago. What the fuck? Just get on with it, Obi Wan. You're an idiot. So that bothers me. Yeah. So he, because he sort of, you know, he we <laughs> for the next hour of the movie, he's a private eye, basically. Yeah. And evaluating him as a private eye, he's sort of, you know, half. He goes, oh, yeah, he so goes in fits and spurts. He's, he's sort of part Sam Spade, part Duck Band. I think he <laughs> yeah, sort of yeah. goes both ways. Absolutely. He's a, sometimes he's a very good Shamus, other times not so much. <laughs> but I just, I love, I don't, and the storytelling in these scenes is, is you know, like you say, it's, it doesn't really make much sense. But the settings and the atmosphere works really well for me. No, like, oh yeah, I, I think having, you're right about that. Having a library, having a library scene, which is mm. a sort of genre standard in the noir, you know, the big sleep, sure. Chinatown with the archives, and also building out the world of the Jedi. I love this idea of this kind of repository of Jedi. Well, not only and... do I like the build out of the Jedi, but I also kind of like the build out of their arrogance. Because Absolutely. the li- the librarian says, "No, if it's not there, it doesn't exist." <laughs> That's great. Yeah, he, she just poo-poo's Obi Wan Kenobi and tells him he's being an idiot. Yeah, I love it. But the next scene uh, after that, you know, he when he well, we, visits yeah. with Yoda I, well, and the kids. 
Then we're gonna yes. get we're gonna get Anakin and we're gonna get Padme on Naboo. That's right. And well, they, this they, is yeah, the we... first time I'm learning that queens can be elected. Yeah, this is. Uh, I, the, I think with a lot of the sto- the lot of the storytelling elements, my uh, my way of judging them is through. Uh, if it's made fun of in Lego Star Wars, <laughs> that's when I know it's as ridiculous as I think it is. And this is one of the, <laughs> the and I believe in Droid Tales uh, they comment on, she the Queen was elected as a senator. Huh. Didn't know that could happen. Thought it would be the other way around. Yeah. yeah well. <laughs> so yes, that doesn't that's that was always very strange for me. And they, they they disguise as refugees and they go on a yeah like a but a, a <laughs> sort of you also pop- get one of those robot scenes there as R two tries to get and droid yeah 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 and we, then we see internal droid racism and I want to know more about that because yeah right this pancake droid thinks he's the better shit. than Obi Wan <laughs> than this uh, astromech droid right um because he gets to flip the pancakes. Uh, also pancakes. I mean, again, it's like, <laughs> at least in Dexter's Diner, they're like doing, talking about Jawa juice and sure. This is just, just again, it's like like the straight up ducks in Phantom Menace. <laughs> this is too much of our world, and they they were just like, these are just pancakes. So you know what I don't want in my space Star Wars movie? Space eggs. Yeah, I don't want I don't want ducks or pancakes in my Star ducks. Wars movie. Or duck pancakes. Oh, for Someone's sure. Someone sitting around in a Chinese restaurant eating duck pancakes. <laughs> yeah, the, so when and then again the the Jedi well, we've sort of seen the Jedi Temple. We've seen that that room. We've seen uh, the room a lot. <laughs> the one the one window room. Yeah. A lot, but this is the first time we're seeing the training area of mm-hmm. the Jedi Temple, the academy essentially. And some very young children. Too young. Being trained. Too young. Too young. But I don't you know like you, but now you understand what Yoda was talking about when he looked at Luke and said too old. It's like, yeah, by a good Well, I, I now I agree years. with you. Yeah. <laughs> um In nineteen eighty I didn't agree with you at all. I thought you're being ridiculous. <laughs> But by these standards, okay, I understand. And of course, again, because it's a prequel, this is where Obi-Wan gets the idea to train Luke with a laser ball. Because he's seen those kids getting trained that mm-hmm. way. That's why he goes with the laser ball. <laughs> um, um, and Yoda shows the first kind of moment of humor that we've seen in the... Like, he's been a real fuddy-duddy so far. Yeah, right. He's starting to lighten up and become the Yoda that we know a little bit. Mm-hmm. He's, he's he tried a joke in the previous scene he was in, and then he does a fully formed joke here. Admittedly, uh, an audience of children is not as hard, right. but um, he he does get still. some giggles from the kids. Yeah, how embarrassing! <laughs> but I, I'm just I love where this is going. The idea of a plot within the Jedi. You know, more espionage. Yeah. Well, everything that was proposed by the Phantom Menace but didn't actually happen in it. Sure. Again, this movie would be better called The Phantom Menace, I think. <laughs> because they're literally the Phantom Planets. I mean, mm-hmm. it makes, again, makes this title makes more sense for this movie. 
when they go back to Naboo, when they arrive in Naboo, there's a couple of really nice touches I like. Okay. One is that there are Gungans in the piazza, which means that Gungan integration has it's, happened. It's between... happened, yeah, right. Yeah. The other one is that we see R2 try to climb the steps. I saw In the background. It always gets me. Every time. We don't get we don't get enough information about how R2 gets from one place to another. Yeah. And I just love this touch of like he's just one step, one step, lift up, he, one step. He one raises step. up, he gets that third that third, yeah. that third ped down. And At I just least... always imagine R2 in this scene going, What a bunch of fucking horse shit all these goddamn steps it'd be great beep, beep. if you didn't see him again and then they did the kind of runner from airplane where he's still climbing those steps yes. <laughs> the credits roll and I'd, the at the very, I'd at the very least like to see them be 40 or 50 yards away you know a close yeah. up on them and then blurry in the background you can finally see him getting up over that last step and again we find out a lot of information through dialogue of what happened in the interim 10 years. Because mm-hmm. we learned that Newt Gunray, did, you know, he was, last we saw he was taken off into a, a space police van. And, right. uh, but we get information about his four trials. Yeah, he never made it, he never was never prosecuted, which mm-hmm. again is like it's sort of Lucas really doubling down on the on the real world politics yeah. of it all. Because it's because, uh, you know, to this day, we know of people who have committed oh, yeah. crimes of <laughs> uh, war crimes and treason who are not anywhere near prosecution. No. Uh, despite you know them having been brought to trial, uh, quite I I again people generally don't like the dialogue between Padme and Anakin in these scenes. I like the I like the dynamic. I like some of the banter. I like the moment where she cuts him off. She cuts his balls off in front of Co Bibble. That part I like. Says, oh, oh, he's only a he's only a Jedi Knight or whatever it is. Yeah. Only a Padawan. My note is Anakin doesn't like women making decisions. What a dick. <laughs> no reason to fall in love with this person. You know what? He's also person. not not fond of democracy. That yeah. comes. <laughs> There's no reason to fall in love with this man. Does it? It's, it doesn't. Is it in reference to this? That part I, I think it... that part I have no problem with, but the stuff that's coming up later, hmm. it's a bit of a slog for me. The stuff that's coming up later, again, you've got to think of it as like a bad romance novel, and then it all makes sense. Bad? I get that part of it. Okay, we'll we'll get there. To Something me, that to they me, have put thought into. To me, I think of like I think of Empire Strikes Back and how efficiently. They show us that Han and Leia yeah. are in love. We're never getting back to that, though. That's the point. I, We're never going to get back to that. that man. But we should be able to. You did it no, once. No, we shouldn't. No one's on set telling George <laughs> Lucas that there's another way of doing things. <laughs> there's know. no Irvin Kirshner to say, you know, this could be done in a lot less dialogue. That's hey, not... that's my voice. You just stole my voice. <laughs> no, I'm Irvin Kirshner. I'm Irvin Kirshner. I just like one person to like, you know, yeah. he, he yells cut and I'd like somebody to look over at George and say, this isn't how people fall in love, you know. <laughs> the humanity is just drained out of it. These poor two I, actors. It's, but it's struggling. done. It's done, melod- it's done melodramatically. 
But Star Wars, Star Wars has you a lot. You can't enjoy the you can't enjoy the noir, and then take pot shots at something else that's equally generic. I think I can. Well, you are, but I don't <laughs> think you can. I absolutely can. One's done better than the other. Unless you're saying that one is a lower form of art than the other. No, but my my bigger issue is that there is melodrama throughout all of the Star Wars series. Agreed. And it's done right in other movies and done poorly here. Flat out. Mm, I, I don't know. It's done artificially. I don't yeah. know if it's done badly. It feels hollow. There's never a moment in Empire where I don't believe they're in love. And there's never a moment in this movie when I do believe. That's because they're fucking, Mike. They're fucking. These two aren't fucking. (laughs) (laughs) These two would rather rather fuck R2-D2, I think. You're right. The other two are doing plenty of cocaine and fucking. So maybe that's the trick. And re- and both of them rewrote the script on set. Yes, right. These two are not up for that. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, well, that was a recipe for success, my friend. It, was, it certainly was. 100% <laughs> Colombian recipe. <laughs> but anyway, we cut back to... Uh, Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan Private Eye. Yeah. And something I really appreciate about these prequels in retrospect is the thought and ingenuity they put into ship design. Okay. Because this whole idea of the of the detachable space ring... Yeah. ...is really, like... A lot of thought has been put into that. Like, a lot of I practical agree. visual futurism... It's one of my notes. Like One of my notes is it's level. really interesting to have a ship that wouldn't have a hyperdrive, but has something that you can attach yeah. to it that would have a it's hyperdrive. It's like a, mobi- a mobile parking spot. Right. Attached to it. And when you get to the sequels, the ships are just either the ships from previous movies or Mm -hmm. just rubbish ships. (laughs) So I think it's a lost bombers. It's a lost art of of Star Wars sequels, is the ship design. So I'm glad they're still firing on all cylinders there. And also Um, I'll say because we're we're there, he arrives at this planet. What are they called? The Cami Owens? Aren't they the band that did word up? (laughs) <laughs> the Camino, Caminans? Are we on Camino? Camino. Geonosis. This is Geonosis, isn't it? That he's landing on. Okay. Oh no, Camino. No, God, we're not. We're nowhere near there. Sorry, you're right. Camino. Yeah, you're right. The the night the the rain planets. Yeah. But what okay, what, what planet, are those yeah. creatures called? Uh, cloners. I thought they were. Camino. Yeah, Caminan. That sounds right. All right. At any rate, I think they're one of the best-looking effects in all of the the, 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 first three trilogies. I am doubly surprised to hear you say that. I think they look great, especially in the eye. Because whenever I see them, I think, well, there's the interdimensional beings from Crystal Skull. (laughs) They had the template in the machine. <laughs> they didn't want to come up with anything new. This came so out just before that. that. I like I I like 
again, I like, uh, obviously, I like the planet. I like that they've created a planetary ecosystem built around the stylistic conventions of film noir. Yeah. Get, uh, the, my, my, if I have notes, it's that the lighting balance is not quite right of the real actor in the fake world. Absolutely. Like, it reminds me of the Naboo forest in, um, in Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love that we're now in the middle of an overly complicated plot featuring characters who are never seen, yeah. which is the stock in trade of film noir. Again, it's the big sleep. <laughs> right. Which is like talking about characters that will never appear <laughs> and who are dead as soon as they're mentioned. <sighs> so I I love it. And I love it's it's got the scene has a really eerie feel because you're not sure of the intention. I think I mentioned that in the... Aliens. Uh, ranking episode that that that's oh. one of the things I really love about this section yeah. of the movie. It feels, you know, Obi Wan feels in danger the whole time he's there. It does feel eerie. It does feel unsafe. Yeah, and it also feels like Indiana Jones in the sense that he's out of his depth very quickly. Because mm-hmm. he he comes in full on Sam Spade, just playing along with whatever they said, looking like you know what's going right, on. Right, exactly. And then within seconds, he's like, "What?" This is where visible confusion comes in, right? This is the this right. is the visible confusion. I always think I always think Obi Wan, come on, you're giving up the game. Don't tell him that that yeah. guy's been dead for fucking ten years. <laughs> Get your shit together. Just say you're taking over the program. <laughs> but it's on. one of the first time. It's one of the first times in this trilogy that not knowing what's going on becomes an asset to the storytelling, mm-hmm. rather than just an irritant. Yeah. But I think the same of Django <laughs> Fett. I think Django Fett, get your shit together. That close that fucking door. Yeah. Don't let that door stay open for five minutes and then send your kid over. The kid that's you, by the way. But <laughs> I want, I want to see Obi Wan out that door, and I want to see you close the door immediately, and I want to see him clock. You know, right as the door closes, I want to see him clock yeah. something. I want some good, you know. Spy shit banter. We're also learning the answers to questions about the origin of Boba Fett that no one ever asked. No, yeah, I don't know. nobody cares. Nobody cares. They know, and they never learned that lesson, did they? Mm-mm. We didn't care about his origins. We don't care about what happened to him after he died either. <laughs> and it, I, I mean. The other way to look at it is that, you know, it comes at you from left field, right? It's, this is really not how you thought we were going to re, right. re-meet Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. That he is the source, the I don't know what you call it, the the source code of the Yeah, he's the, the DNA clones. source of, of the clones we've been hearing about since, the, since 1977. Since 1977, and this is the first sense we're getting, especially in light of the title, that Clone Wars is going to mean these clones versus the right. bunny droids. Yeah. Or the winged whatever cockroaches on that red planet at the end of this movie. Yeah, we meet, we meet a few more droids in this movie later on as well. <laughs> um, and, then, well, this is the Stormtrooper reveal, right? Was like, yeah. And I think this is where the prequel dramatic irony works quite well because it it is interesting that we know what they'll become but the people on screen don't mm-hmm. for the first time that they don't understand that they're a threat to them not their salvation yeah although all of that is very is admittedly very muddy as to who designed what for 
which purpose and why the Jedi are okay with just taking them as their army. Right. I, I, well I, well, that they were created under mysterious circumstances mm-hmm. involving the, <laughs> the death of, like, you know, sort of like... Some guy we 90, never meet. <laughs> 93 fugitive-style mysterious circumstances. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Anakin is boldly declaring he doesn't like sand. Mm-hmm. So that. But my the, note the, is, I, there's no reason for him to for her to kiss him in this moment. Uh, yeah, and, I and do kind of like the the like they may as well have done a record scratch on the stopping of the kiss, though. Yeah. I kind of kind of like what, that because I can't decide if he's actually trying to do a joke. Because the music's swelling and then it stops. Yeah, you know, that's true. A bit the, the shot of him standing next to the roses on the patio. I mean, it looks like the cover of a cheap romance thrift store paperback, <laughs> and the scene kind of proceeds along yeah. those lines. Oh, we, we, though we learn, <laughs> there's a there's, you know, it's possible in the last movie we didn't learn enough about Anakin, and it's possible in this movie we know a little too much. Oh, about way, him. Right really, down, we learned way too much. Right down to his lifelong fascination with fascism, mm-hmm. his uh, yeah, his his uh, dislike of sand. Somebody, um, somebody should make them do it. No, yeah. not me. But it's kind of I don't know. Part of this again, I think, is like a reaction, and I don't even you know, like that thing. we learned that he likes to fat platypus surf. <laughs> Yeah, somebody stops needs to stop giving those animals steroids. <laughs> Whatever farmer has given those animals steroids, yeah, needs to knock it off. off. I think it's in, yeah, it's interesting. Like maybe this time was the first time I thought about Columbine and the trench coat mafia, mm. and then maybe and maybe the way Anakin's represented here was a bit of a reaction to that. That kind of there's a teenager going around saying things that are that have a lot of red flags in them and no one's paying attention to it but to me it's it comes off as so overt then he goes off and kills a bunch of people right to me i guess one of my problems with this section of the movie is it it comes off as so overt that that there's no reason for padme to you know she has a huge rationalization line at some point he pretends he's joking afterwards which is what you do when you get caught out saying something that you realize the other person doesn't agree with. <laughs> you do the crusty the clowns thing. When you make that face, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's essentially what he's doing in this scene. Yeah, I guess. He kind of walks it back. He's like, well, you know, he's, I wouldn't say that to a senator. Yeah, but it, I like, think oh, it, I oh, think you. as a character, it minimizes her. It minimizes Padme as though she can't suss out what a piece of shit this guy is. Hmm. And I don't like that. But again, like, I, yeah, again, I think about the fact that she she knows his upbringing. She knows what... And when she goes back to Tatooine, it'll be reinforced to her what, uh, you know, what his... Uh, you know, the tragedy of his upbringing and mm-hmm. the tragedy of his life. And I think she feels sorry for him as much as I don't know. It's not that. It's not that deep, but <laughs> it scans in terms of where the two started, where they are now, for me. Okay. 
if not e- not particularly elegantly expressed mm-hmm. in in the dialogue i'll i'll concede to that and then maybe the most obvious deficiency in effects is the buckaroo moment oh yeah where he's i mean it lo- uh, i don't know who signed off on that George. The, the steroid platypus it really looks like it's really there you know like he's really surfing he didn't it. say did he say that in the commentary no oh, you don't watch the commentary for this one yeah and then just to sort of double down on that unnecessary i don't <laughs> i don't know what in what context i put this unnecessary winged creatures oh yeah that's right on uh on camino there's like just there's like uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm just like I, don't, I just thought you know unnecessarily winged creatures that, that is that comes the, out of the ocean, the story right? Of this, it's like the story of this trilogy, but also the story of CGI yeah. to be told through this prism. Right. Putting wings on things that didn't need wings. <laughs> um, what do you think of this fight between Obi-Wan and Jango? I, I really like it. I and and getting a general like a general sense in these scenes that First of all, we're not having to wait for combat in the way we did in the last movie, mm-hmm. like being teased all the time. But, you know, after the miss of Mole, I feel like we're getting to the heart of, like... Right. And we haven't met we haven't met Dooku yet, which is the cherry on the cake. But sure. at this point, I'm like, oh, this is a decent henchman. You know, this is a decent middleman. Yeah. I've never... Ha- I, 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 I like it. It's It's kind of... It's also more humanized as I well. I think like even the fight the... is a little noirish, and I kind of like that. Oh, definitely. Oh, you know? I like it a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a nice contrast with the fruit flirting that we're getting in the mm-hmm. in the Naboo scene. Right, the, right. The pear floating. Um, even that one thing that just <laughs> just drives me nuts is even the pear itself is CGI, and it yeah. flies into her mouth. Do you know where to get a pair? Well, I don't. God, fuck. Where'd you get, how do you know Australia even has pairs? <laughs> I see, no, you're right. It I is... see your Australian racism is rearing its head ugly once again, my English friend. Yeah. Well, yes. It's So the other thing that is unfortunately striking about this scene is... Uh, Padme's Xena-like fantasy wear mm-hmm. in the dinner scene, um, shot sexily with shadows and fire. Right. It's like this. This, this scene is way stevier than it needs to be for what right. it is. Do you, Do you know the behind-the-scenes information about this? That's gonna bolster your argument beyond what you might even imagine. Excellent. Hit me with it. So George Lucas designed one costume. In this trilogy, for any, for the characters, oh, he wow. found out that this was the one, Padme's. Really, really? oh man! He designed this. It's the only costume he designed himself. Wow, that's an indictment. It really is. I mean, <laughs> that's going to be evidence in a court. That's trial not at some good. Point. No, no. <laughs> and this is where they start talking. Like Anakin suddenly starts speaking in what sounds like Chat GBT Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. You know when you ask a you ask an AI to write right. a Shakespeare scene, <laughs> it's just like it's like the the sort of the scent the sound of Elizabethan verse, but but none of the content. You are in my very soul, tormenting me. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and then my favorite one, 
the closer I get to you, the worse it gets. Yeah. Which is like the Morrissey, the Morrissey song that never became a hit. <laughs> which is perfect for Anakin because Morrissey's also a fascist. There so. you go. Perfect. No, oh, we can add another person to your list, your enemies list. Well, he that's a rich chalk down Morrissey. That really is a fall from grace because he he's he's one of my favorite uh, musicians of all time, but he turned out to be a terrible fascist. So I have to distance myself from him at least somewhat. <laughs> at least somewhat. I've done I've 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 done the sort of cowards. I've taken the cowards way out, which I'll still listen to the Smiths, but I won't listen to his solo material. Okay, and certainly no no new material. But I can't give up those Smith songs. Some of the best songs ever written. All right. I also nice love the tangent. Facts. Going back to Obi Wan Private Eye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next time on Obi Wan Private Eye. <laughs> Come on, how good would CBS. that show be? CBS Thursdays. That rainbow Yoda. special twirling around. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, if only they had the foresight back in the early 80s to do that. Yoda's now his detective mentor. Yeah, so he's right. like reporting into Yoda. And he's basically telling him to to use the force to solve the mystery. Mm-hmm. Which again, I wonder why Obi Wan hasn't hasn't thought of this before <laughs> on his own. But then again, that's that's uh, they've they've sealed off that loophole, right? So now it's the only time we've seen Yoda train Obi Wan. Yeah. Because he reports in the original trilogy that Yoda trained him. We've seen no evidence of that. Right. So this is apparently what he meant. This this one he, part. He called him up via hologram one time and he gave him one piece of advice. That's training, yeah. apparently. <laughs> well, you know what you should do? You should go get that Django vet and bring him to me. Yeah. Aye, aye, Captain. You know, you know what you should do? The job that I sent you out there to do. <laughs> You're so wise, Master Yoda. <laughs> And this is where they talk about the. This is where you know, the Watergate tapes essentially <laughs> talking about yeah, right. the, whole, the, Je- the Jedi Temple is all. We know it's bugged, mm-hmm. and the next film we know that the security footage. Right. So it is. They're recording all this just like the the. It's like Watergate. <laughs> They've recorded themselves, and there's video and sound <laughs> of them saying, "We oh, cannot." Part- Maybe this is the one room they can go to that they know doesn't have. A security camera in it, <laughs> sweeping for bugs every day. This is the the cover, <laughs> the Jedi cover up room. When you want to talk about a cover up, you go into this tiny room. Does it have lounges? Kind of. They have bean bags. Yeah. <laughs> and this is where we start to get back in Anakin's. Anakin's having nightmares. Yes, right. So about his mother. So we gotta get with... to t- Tatooine, Tom. So give that kid a fucking nightmare. Yeah, but it's I mean, have they mentioned they've mentioned it? Oh, the only time his mother's been mentioned before is by Palpatine. Right, but that's the, this the is a, this is says, another problem you... for a ten-year time jump because it makes him seem like the biggest piece of shit in the world. Hasn't thought about mom barely at all. But he has, but only in his nightmares. But in his nightmares, all because right. the Jedi, the Jedi have said you're not allowed to have attachments, and we got him for more information on that earlier on in the, you know. Uh, the more I know about to... the Jedi, the less I like them. Oh, absolutely. 
Except in this movie, I think it's somewhat deliberate. I think it's an accident of the certainly the first and maybe even the third movie. Because mm-hmm. they're they're much more heroic in those movies than they are here. I'll say. Something else I really I love about the uh, the fight sequence of Obi Wan and Django slash retcon Boba Fett mm-hmm. is um, like lightsaber versus rocket pack like it feels like we're playing with star wars toys yeah it does yeah right and again like this was a mantle that the mandalorian unconsciously or not picked up on because you watch them you know especially the early yeah. episodes of the mandalorian just like it's like they probably storyboarded this with star wars toys right well and you also have that thing you're because you know in the in the in the first like trilogy what, what if what if a, what if a greedo for the yeah right gamorian got... guard you know that's like... <laughs> exactly what what if what if a greedo fought wedge what if what if chancellor <laughs> for <Valorum? laughs> chancellor for <Valorum. laughs> chancellor just kind of high did a pile up on i don't know uh, oh, that's good. Salacious crumb. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but what I also like about it is because this is the first time you're seeing the missile launch. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. Yeah, no, you're right. You know? Uh-huh. And that's something yeah, we... you always wanted to see as a kid. You're like, there's a fucking missile on the back of that thing. Well, I want to see on that the, thing. On the slave? The ship? No, I mean, on, the, on, on his jetpack. Oh, his, okay, okay, yeah, actual yeah, yeah. rocket pack. You're right, yeah. So it yeah. is, it's like toy toy logic, isn't it? It's like, this yeah. has got to be for something. Let's mm-hmm. figure out what it is. <laughs> <laughs> the and only... I like that it ends ends with Obi-Wan hanging yeah. off the building, surrounded by clouds again. Right. Empire Strikes Back. Luke at the end of Empire Strikes Back. Absolutely. So, middle chapter overlap. <laughs> The only thing that doesn't uh, gel for me in that whole fight is him throwing the rope. At, you know, after after Django cuts the line and he yeah. throws it up and he just sort of sticks on the. I, it drives me nuts in movies when they that that wire would cut through his fingers, <laughs> or he just falls <laughs> straight down. He'd never ha- be able to. Ha- well, he hold could on. just based on later movies, he could just use the force to repair them. True. He'd grow a new hand if he wanted to. <laughs> no why Luke never thought of that. Stupid Luke. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean that's that's all I have uh before we get we go back to Tatooine, having gone back to Naboo. So yeah, I was gonna say, I mean, we're 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 at a good place where uh we should probably sail off into the sunset for this particular episode, part one of Attack of the Clones. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we're back back on Tatooine. And and since, yeah, since we're going to go back to Tatooine and uh, see some truly ugly shit, (laughs) we can save it for the next episode. Yep, we certainly can. How's that sound? Um, it It sounds great. I have no idea where we are in the movie. That nothing it nothing in my notes suggests we're in the middle of the movie, but we could I well know. Be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the second act is uh, all over the fucking place. We're pretty much in the middle of my notes, so I think we're yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I th- I think I think uh, I I think once you're in Tatooine, it's a good place to start. Man, I took a lot of notes for this movie because the movie's sort of restarting at that point. Yeah, right. 
Um, All right. No last thoughts before uh, closing out. No, I think I think it's it's all been said up to this point. All right. I think again, like I like I like to end at least the episode with a bombshell, and I think the the George Lucas designed Padme outfit is is where that where was I a good like, one. I want to. I did not know that. that. No, I mean, uh, it's guessable, right? <laughs> if you were told, I should have posed it to you as a question in retrospect. Right. right. He designed one outfit in the trilogy. I'd, I would have personally gone with the missing midriff. That's what I would have said, yeah. Yeah. But it's worse. It's even but worse it's, than that. But, yeah, it's worse than that, one. And it also reminds me, because we had a conversation when we did Jedi about Princess Leia's Jabba the Hutt outfit. And the mm-hmm. problem, the difference between the two, and I think we talked about that in, in the latter episode, in this, in this movie, this is just to give boys in the audience a boner now well, in jedi one boy, one boy in particular yeah <laughs> in jedi who is no longer a boy <laughs> yeah exactly in jedi they're trying to do the same thing but narratively it's also supposed to give jabba the hud a boner so in world it makes more sense <laughs> i can't believe i can't believe that you've made it worse by adding in jabba's boner <laughs> Because he doesn't even have bones. So imagine what his boner looks like. There could be a a, a skeleton of some sort in there. He's basically a cushion. (laughs) When you see it... Just look for the parts of him blowing up at the end of (laughs) that scene Whenever, Whenever I I used to watch Jedi, I never knew that that Salacious Crumb was sitting on Jabba. I always just thought he was sitting on like a cushion. But he's I on Jabba, the... isn't he? No, I think he's on a cushion too. I still think, no, I think he's on a cushion. Jabba. I think I think that's Jabba. Oh, I have to go back and look. I think again Jabba's now. that cushiony. No. <laughs> underneath you have to him. Watch the... Underneath him. I think he's like like sitting like a like a kangaroo's pouch. I think that's where <laughs> Oh god, maybe that's wrong too. <laughs> I think you're off the mark. I think there are some cushions for his benefit there. The lengths I will go to to not read the actual entry on Wikipedia <laughs> and just come up with it in my mind. It knows no bounds. <laughs> oh, that's impressive. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are halfway through Attack of the Clones. As far as we know. As, to the best of our knowledge, stay tuned. <laughs> and next week we'll be finishing up with Attack of the Clones. We'll find out more shitty things about Anakin and what an asshole he is. Uh, <laughs> the Clone Wars will turn out to not be a clone war against us, but for us. Mm. And we'll uh, finally get to get some Dooku. Oh yeah, oh, God, we haven't. That's amazing. Dooku does isn't in the first half of this movie. No, yeah, we're we just stopped short of Obi Wan spying on him. Wow, we're we're about there. It's a it's a big year for Christopher Lee and it really is CGI podium surrounded by monsters. <laughs> All right, you're gonna have to tell us what you think about Attack of the Clones. 
Find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Send us that email to everythingsequel at gmail.com. It's not called Twitter anymore, Mike. God damn it. It's called X. I was on a backpacking trip, and I got back and looked at my phone and said, what the fuck is this X? Some, you know, one day that's going to happen with the country, right? It's going to just be like Elon Musk is just going to take over the country. We'll be like, yeah, sure, whatever. I'm still calling it Twitter. I'll ne- I'm never going to stop. X it might is be time. so much it, worse. It might be time for us to leave leave Twitter. The... We speaking might have of to. Red, speaking of Anakin-like red flags. Red I flags, mean, right. Rename. Oh, you know what the weirdest part of that is? Eventually the... there'll be a second X. And then yeah. a third X. That's right. <laughs> and then it will just become a moonshine distribution company. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Problemo. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> the worst part of that is that we uh, we prophesized this on a we previous did? episode. Yeah, indirectly, because when we were talking about, and I think this was on a Patreon episode, hmm. but we... you Pay um, us the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's become <laughs> our patreon is now a psychic hotline um we were talking about hbo max which became max oh and right. i just said and i said offhandedly oh by the oh, time right. we go the time we go it'll to just, air, be it'll just be x yeah and then an entirely different social media platform became x you're right so you know be careful <laughs> be careful what you wish for unbelievable all right well, that's been... <laughs> that's Always in been, motion, the future That's is. been social media catch-up hour in our last there seconds. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I just I just thought I'd, I'd uh, correct you about the state of our country. Oh, I wouldn't let it slide if I were you. I get it. For Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions, Michael Schantz here of the How Dare You Awards. We'll be back to talk more Attack of the Clones next week. Say goodbye to everybody, Tom. Visible confusion. Jesus. Now, since the strike, since the writer's strike, is that strike, a stage everyone... direction or an actual? Yes, yeah, a subtitle. No, it's yeah, it's a subtitle. <laughs> since the writer's strike, everyone has been complaining about the quality of subtitles because they because the people who do them are all on strike. So right, right. That's a hint of what you're missing is that when you watch the subtitle track for this movie, it says "visible confusion" when Obi Wan looks at the Kaminoans. Oh, that's fantastic. That's the kind of nuance you're missing, everyone. Yeah, get your shit together. Get back to the to the get back to the negotiation. Give the, the writers yeah, give the writers what they want. Yeah. Fuckers. Alright, so long everybody. If you like podcasts like I do, boy, do I have a treat for you. You need to stay on target and check out the Sounds and Cinema podcast. Listen as your host, sound designer and music creator, Tony Parham, and co-host, musical performer and sound lover, Derek Hansen, D-Rock if you're nasty, and I am, discuss all things sound related to film, television, stage, and theatrical productions. 
They discuss environmental sounds, bioacoustics, dialogue, the nature of communication through sound. But as an added bonus, they drink beer and try to... Stay on target! Find them wherever you get your podcasts and listen to the pure mania of a man who can charitably be described as Doug, the dog from Up, and another man with a soothing and sultry voice trying to get that man to... Stay on target! That's the Sounds and Cinema Podcast. Tune in and listen to the sounds they are creating just for you.